You're listening to Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. And boy, has it been a busy week. I I think I mentioned last week how uh, I had a casting call for an upcoming thing about Versace. And originally, uh, I had gotten the, the, uh, I don't want to use the word role because it wasn't an an acting role. It was uh, an actual crime show that was going to be on the Oxygen channel. So originally, I got the green light that they wanted me for this project about the Versace murder. And unfortunately, I heard uh, on yesterday, as a matter of fact, that NBC had decided to go another way and use someone internal. And of course, I was hurt about it. I was crushed. But at the same time, I understand business. And I definitely understand the TV business because one minute they want you for something, the next minute you're off. Uh, one minute you're sitting in the studio and they're telling you you're about to go live. Then the next minute they say, no, we don't need you right now, but thanks for coming anyway. So I definitely understand that. Uh, it was a little bit of a disappointment, but the good thing is the producer really liked me. She liked my ideas. She liked what I had to say. I actually pitched her some ideas for another show that she produces. So I'm sure somewhere down the future, uh, I will hear from this producer again, and I will get used for the right project that's right for me. And speaking of Oxygen t- Channel on NBC, uh, several months ago, I think probably way back in May, I flew out to Los Angeles. I may have talked about it on the show to talk about uh, the Steve McNair case. And as you know, I've written two books about Steve McNair, the Titans quarterback that was shot and killed July 4th, 2009. Uh Incomplete Pass and Playbook to a Murder. Those are the two books. Uh, but anyway, last year, I want to say around May, I can't remember because I've done so much since then. I flew out, uh, NBC flew me out for a new show for Oxygen, a crime show called Murders, Mysteries, and Scandals. And it's funny, over the weekend, someone texted me and said, hey, I just uh, saw your preview commercial for this upcoming show on Oxygen about the McNair case. Now, I've gone to their website. I've sat there and watched the Oxygen channel late at night, hoping I could catch this preview so I could tell you when it airs. But unfortunately, I don't know. It's not on their website, and I haven't been able to catch the commercial. But what I will do is reach out to the producer and ask him when that episode uh, will air, because although Steve McNair and Sahel Kazemi were killed Way back July 4, 2009, it's still a case with many questions. It's still a case that people still ask me about. Uh, the books are still selling, which I could care less about the money, just telling the story. So as soon as I know when that airs, Murders, Mysteries, and Scandals, I will let you know. But I know they're doing a lot of sports-related stuff. I know they're doing one on Aaron Hernandez. I know they're doing one on O.J. Simpson. Uh, they're doing one on a Chicago Bulls player. I can't remember his name offhand, but it's a very interesting show. And it talks about, 
uh, these murders, mysteries, and scandals that go on in the sports world and that go on in Hollywood. Now, enough about plugging my own stuff. Of course, this is beyond the badge, and sometimes I get a little selfish and have to plug my own stuff, but I always say, if you're not going to plug yourself, who's going to plug your stuff for you? Uh, so tonight I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the city of Baltimore, and yes, we've talked about Baltimore on this show several times, but there's some new stuff going on in the city of Baltimore, and then I want to talk about an NFL player and his actions dealing with police just a few days ago, and they were pretty disgusting, and his attorney's comments were really disgusting, and I want to talk about that uh, New York Jets player as we go along. But let me get to Baltimore first uh, so we can be mindful of our time. So we all know Baltimore. Last year, their murder rate went up uh, from their previous year, from 2016 to 2017. Their murder rate went up. They reached an all-time high, and it all sparked starting back in 2015 with the alleged police brutality, alleged racial issue with uh, the death of Freddie Gray, which has been dispelled time and time again. His death has been dispelled time and time again. But anyway, uh, as I said, and as I still say, and as I will continue to say, of course, when police were faced with that and they saw six of their own, facing BS charges for something that they didn't do or had nothing to do with, a lot of the police in Baltimore started being reactive police versus proactive police. So, of course, your crime rate goes up, and with your crime goes your drugs, and with your drugs goes your murder rate. It goes up. That's how it happens. Crime, drugs, murder. That's how it happens. So, anyway, last week, last Friday, the mayor of... Uh, Baltimore, Catherine Pugh, fired Baltimore's top cop, uh, Commissioner Kevin Davis, based on the inability, this is her words, inability to stem the historic pace of the killings in the city now stretching into a third year. So if you do the math, and she's saying they're stretching into the third year, the first year would have been the death of Freddie Gray. Then the next year would have been 2016. Then the next year would have been 2017. And if you, she's saying stretching into the next year because on the 1st of January, they had, I believe, three homicides in the city. So she sees this trend saying it's stretching into the third year. So she fired him. She put the guy right under him in his place as the interim. But, of course, you know, they're going to swear him in uh, and make it official. He's been on the department this uh the Soso, I think I'm saying his name right, has been on the department for over 30 years. So I guess he's got a, a pretty good track record uh, for policing. You, you don't stay on a job 30 years and make the second highest rank without having some kind of good track record. But is this the solution or was this a scapegoat and something that's really still going to hide the real problem. Because, in my opinion, you can put someone who has what appears to be an African-American face in that role in a city that's 95% African-American, but what does that do to decrease the crime? 
What does that do to decrease the murder rate? Because bad guys will still do bad things. Thugs will still run from the police. Black thugs will still run from white police. Black thugs will still run from black police. So what does putting this other guy in this role do? To me, personally, I think it was a political statement because you had the previous police commissioner, Kevin Davis, who was, from what I could tell, and I'm assuming was Caucasian, based on his looks, based on everything else we know about him. He was Caucasian. He was in a city that saw riots, that saw protests by the Black Lives Matter movement and the crime run up. But it's not his fault that the crime went up. Unless they can prove to me that he went to roll calls and told his officers, I don't want you to do anything unless you get a call, which I doubt you're going to find because that is not his objective. Or should I say that was not his objective. His objective was to reduce the crime in the city of Baltimore. But when his officers weren't supported by their leaders and they were made to be scapegoats by the district attorney's office and the state prosecutor's office, how can anyone, especially the mayor who should have this inside track, how could the mayor expect commissioner or former commissioner now, Kevin Davis, to reduce crime and to reduce murders? And the bigger issue is, I don't care who you put in that place. You can put this DeSoso, you can put Peter, you can put Paul, you can put all of the 12 disciples, you can even put Jesus in that role of acting and soon-to-be official police commissioner. But until you start focusing on the real issues, and until you start supporting your officers instead of saying, well, if you have to use force on someone... I might let the media call you a racist. I might try to charge you. I might try to suspend you. I might try to get you 30 years in prison, all because you're doing your job. Until you start doing that, I don't care who's in that position. The crime rate in Baltimore, mark my words, the murder rate in Baltimore, mark my words, will continue to rise at epic rates because no one is focusing on the real issues. Now, we hear this word tossed around every time there's a mass shooting. There was a shooting in Kentucky today at a high school where 19 people were injured and 15 people were, or two people were killed. And it was a 15-year-old who had a personal vendetta against someone at the school. And I'm sure, and they haven't released this, that that gun was purchased legally and he got it from his home. But when we talk gun control, I always say we need to control the guns on the streets. We need to control the guns of the people that aren't buying them legally. I'm not scared of the gun holder who has a carry and conceal permit, who went to the gun store, passed a background check, purchased that gun legally. I could stand right next to them. They could show me their gun and like, oh, whatever. I'm worried about all of those people on the streets who get guns in back alleys or cross state lines to get illegal guns, and then they use them to commit crimes. Prime example, this weekend I tried to get into the Georgia Aquarium, and 
You know I don't leave home without my pistol, except for that one time when we were in the Sprint store and got robbed. But I tried to get in the Georgia Aquarium, and as I'm walking up, I see these metal detectors, and I'm thinking, oh, great, this this isn't going to go over well. So before I purchased the $50 ticket or however much it was, I went up to the, the uh, security guard, and I said, hey, I showed them my carry permit. And I said, am I allowed to enter? He said, no, absolutely not. Okay. And I remember telling him, I said, I'm probably not the guy you should worry about being ex-military, ex-police, and having a license to carry this permit. I said, it would be anyone else who tried to walk in this facility where all of these people are, who got that gun illegally, who is a convicted felon, who probably is not even trained to shoot, so they'd probably kill five innocent people and miss the person they were trying to shoot. That's the person you should worry about. I said, but if it's your policy not to let me in, Hey, I totally understand. I'll save my money. Trust me. Because at the end of the day, it's just fish and dolphins that I was going to see in the aquarium. But it's the same thing in the city of Baltimore. Until the mayor, Catherine Pugh, starts worrying about the real cause of her crime rate in Baltimore, the real cause of her murder rate in Baltimore... I don't care who you put in that office. The results will be the same. Point blank, period. And right after uh, Commissioner Davis was fired, there were two high-ranking individuals, police officials, who put in their resignation. Now, did it have to do with maybe they sensed that they were next? Or maybe they just were fed up with what was going on in the department. So the two high-ranking individuals were uh, Deputy Commissioner Jason Johnson, who was the head of the department's Strategic Service Bureau, which was in charge of implementing the key reforms in the areas of professional accountability. And then the other person uh, was uh, uh, an individual by the name of Chief Ganesha. I hope I'm saying her name right. Chief Ganesha Martin, and she was the head of the Department uh, Department of Defense and Compliance Accountability, uh, which worked hand-in-hand with the Justice Department. And as you know, after Freddie Gray, the Obama administration sent the Justice Department in there to look at the Baltimore Police Department, and they came back and said it was this racist group who violated everyone's civil rights, who specifically targeted Targeted blacks, again, even though this city is over 95% black, which to me, thinking logically and not putting race into the equation, tells me you're only dealing with the black community because that is the highest population in that city. Therefore, the chances of you getting a call about a black person are stopping a black car or encountering a black person, i.e. Freddie Gray on the street doing a crime, are much higher than, say, in a small country town where there's three black people. I'm just saying. So these two high-ranking individuals resign uh, from their positions. And again, did they see the writing on the wall? Were they kind of nudged to say, hey, you should probably go too before you lose your pension We don't know, but uh, Friday morning, along with uh, 
Kevin Davis being fired, there were a few people that showed up, top commanders, who, when they tried to get in the building, their key cards didn't work, their department-issued cell phones were off, their emails were cut off, and their computers were seized. So I don't know what's going on in the city of Baltimore. Uh, what I do know is a shakeup at the police department, in my opinion, does not solve their issue. It appeases people, but it doesn't solve their issue because that crime is going to continue to rise until you look at things like crime control. I'll give you an example. Rudy Giuliani, say what you want about him. Some people say he's racist. Some people say he had ties to the mob, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you remember around the Giuliani era, before that, New York was off the chain. As the old school guys like myself say, you know, there's so many things that kids say nowadays. The murder rate in the city of New York was ridiculous. And guess what happened? There was this thing called stop and frisk, which a lot of people said was unconstitutional. And it's debatable whether it is or not. And they say it targeted blacks. It's debatable whether it did or not. Again, I look at things from a different demographic standpoint. If there's more people in a particular area where police are patrolling, the chances of you coming in contact with that person, that race, is higher. But anyway, you look at stop and frisk. Year over year, the murder rate in the city of New York started to tick down. It started to tick down. And Giuliani went after drug dealers. And it wasn't that little... Slap on the wrist like, oh, you had 20 ounces of crack cocaine. Okay, I'm going to give you 11 months probation. Don't do it again. Okay, your honor, I won't do it again until tomorrow. No, no, no. Rudy Giuliani was tough on criminals. And he didn't care if someone said, oh, it's because he's black. Oh, it's because of this. Giuliani said, no, it was because they were doing crime. You know how many guns the city of New York got off the street because of stop and frisk? Translation, proactive policing. Because really, if you're walking down the street and you're not doing a crime and you're not armed with a gun and you get frisked, what's the harm? But if you're walking down the street and you're carrying a gun... And the police approach you and your name's Alton Sterling. And then you start to resist arrest and your right arm is still reaching towards the gun. And then you get shot by police. Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to go with option A. Or if you're walking down the street and you're armed with a gun and there's a police officer there. And he sees you and he has suspicion, but he doesn't want to make contact with you to say, hey, sir, blah, blah, blah. My name's officer, blah, blah, blah. And to start a field investigation on you. And he just lets you go because he doesn't want to be the guy on CNN next to say he's racist because he had to use deadly force. And he lets you go. And then you go out and you kill a little girl 
or you kill a little boy, or you break into a house during a home invasion and you shoot everyone in there and they die. And then people find out that, yeah, the police let him go anyway. I guess that would be okay because you weren't stopped and frisked or harassed by the police. Me personally, I'm still going with option A. If I'm walking down the street and I'm not doing anything wrong and the police approach me and I'm not armed and, hey, do you mind if I check? Nope. Here you go. Option B either gets the bad guy killed or the police officer killed. And option C gets some innocent bystander killed. That's why it worked in the city of New York. Whether you agree with it or not, that type of mentality worked. Whether you call it unconstitutional or not, that policing worked in the city of New York. Now, I go to New York quite frequently. That is probably one of the only places, believe it or not, where I walk down the street and I don't feel worried that someone's going to try to rob me or point a gun at me just because they want to. Now, you know, depending on, you know, what park you're in, you may have to worry about a car driving through there, but that's that's something totally different. Or you may have to worry about someone leaving a backpack with a bomb, but that's that's something totally different versus crime. I don't walk around like that in the city of Atlanta. I dang sure wouldn't walk around like that in the city of Baltimore because... They don't have that mentality to police correctly and say, F what people say, F what they think. Our job is to reduce crime. And if this DeSoso or whatever his name is doesn't pick up on that, and if this mayor of Baltimore doesn't pick up on that, who's going to fire her next year when her murder rate is higher than it was in 2017? And I bet you money that's what's going to happen. Her murder rate in Baltimore is going to be higher than it was in 2017 unless they start doing like they did on that show called The Wire, which came on HBO, which was filmed in Baltimore, where they started moving bodies so it wouldn't be in certain precincts or where they would move bodies across the bridge so it wouldn't show up in their stats. Unless they're doing that, That murder rate is going to continue to climb until they get to the real issue. It's not the police commissioner who's white. It's not the officers involved in Freddie Gray. It's not any white officer on that police department. It's not any officer on that police department for that reason. For that matter, I should say, it is the crime control. And you can preach police reform until you're blue in the face. You can beat that dead horse until it comes back to life. Until you start talking crime reform, you're going to have the same issues. All right, but enough about Baltimore because, you know, I can go on and on about Baltimore and their problems, which they're (laughs) no willing to fix more than I'm willing to jump off a bridge. Anyway, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about this NFL player who was arrested last week. Uh, He plays for the New York Jets and You know all of the controversy going on with the NFL right now and the kneeling and all of this and, you know, them saying how police treat black people, yada, 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 yada. So last week 
uh, Robbie Anderson, who plays for the New York Jets, was arrested uh, and charged with about nine uh, counts of of uh, criminal activity, which included uh, eluding arrest, resisting arrest, uh, threatening a, a public servant, and whatnot. So let me give you the background. Uh, it's about two in the morning. This officer has a vehicle pulled over in Florida. I guess this is where Anderson lives. Uh, so as he's doing this traffic stop, he says Anderson drives by him really slowly and rolls the window down and then starts speeding off at a high rate of speed. So the officer ends his traffic stop, gets behind Anderson. So keep in mind, just for the record, and I've done this job once or twice. When I see a car driving by and someone rolling down the window and looking at me, unless I know that person personally, I don't know who they are, right? So we can go ahead and eliminate that this officer knew it was a New York Jets football player driving a vehicle in South Florida. So anyway, uh, the officer gets behind, attempts to initiate a traffic stop. Speeds get up to 105 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. Now where I'm from, that is a crime and it's the crime of reckless driving. And you can probably slap some other charges on there if there's property damage. Of course, if someone's hurt in an accident, blah, blah, blah. So this pursuit goes on for a while. The individual finally stops. He's escorted, shall we say, out of the vehicle. The officer attempts to place him in handcuffs. He starts to physically, not physically as in hands and fists, resist. Physically as in moving around, trying not to get put in handcuffs, i.e. that is resisting arrest. So the officer has him in his car. He of course, starts spatting off at the mouth about who he is and how much money he makes. And, he, you know, the officer doesn't make peanuts, yada, yada, yada. So as this went on, Anderson says he, when he got out, he was going to find the officer's wife and, excuse my French, fuck her and do something, a bodily excretion into her eye. Uh, and this is according to the officer's statement and his report. So, uh, of course, the officer took that as a verbal threat towards his family, which people don't realize is a crime. It's against the law. It's a misdemeanor. But at the same time, it's a crime. So his attorney gets down to the jail and says, oh, good to see you. So, of course, immediately Anderson says, yes, I'm glad to be alive. Because you know how they treat young black people. They as in police. And I assume this officer's white. I don't know, nor do I care. I care about you're doing 105 in a 45 mile an hour zone. I care about when you I turned on my blue lights and siren, you didn't stop. I care about the fact that you could have killed a bunch of people doing 105 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone. That's what I care about. So anyway, the attorney has now come forward and said, that his client, Anderson, was in fear of his life because, as all young black men, they fear when the police get behind them, and he feared that he could have been killed. Well, you damn right he could have been killed. Let's see. I'm doing 105 miles an hour and a 45. Oh, crap. 
I can't stop fast enough before I wreck into this brick wall. I have just killed myself. Oh, crap. I'm doing 105 miles an hour. I can't make this turn at that speed. I've just rolled my vehicle 12 times. Oh, crap. I've just killed myself. Oh, I resisted arrest and went for the officer's gun. Not saying that happened here, but, hmm, let me quarterback this for you since you're a football player. I'm a police officer. I'm chasing you. You're doing 145 in a 45 mile an hour zone late at night. I don't know what crime you've just committed. Now you're resisting arrest. Now I have to use force. Oh, you may try to escalate your force, which means I'm going to escalate my force, which means you're going to escalate your force, which means I'm going to escalate my force until it's to the point of deadly force. You're damn right. You could have been killed. But here's how you couldn't have been killed. Oh, there's blue lights behind me. I should pull over as the good citizen that I am and give the officer my license and registration and sign the speeding ticket and be on about my merry way. But no, you didn't do that, Anderson. You decided to haul butt down the street in a residential neighborhood. I don't care that it was 2 o'clock in the morning. There's cars out. There are people out at 2 o'clock in the morning just as much as they're out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So you didn't decide to do the right thing. You decided to do the wrong thing. And then you wanted to bring race into it. I don't bring race into it. I bring your idiotic brain into it because your actions were idiotic. It had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to, to, nothing to do with the fact that that officer knew you were an NFL player. It had nothing to do with how much money you claim to make. It had nothing to do with what you drove. I don't know what you're driving. I assume you drive a nice car. You know, you play in the NFL. You made over $550,000 last year. I think that'll get you a decent vehicle. I don't know what you drive. But your actions got you in jail. Your actions got you those charges. And again, had you just been the good guy, let me just pull over. My license registration officer, yes, sir. No, sir. You wouldn't have been in that situation. So for you to say and for your attorney to say, well, you know how they treat young black boys. When they pull them over, they just kill them. Uh, I can't think of one instance. I can go look it up. But I can't think of one instance where a black male has been pulled over by a white police officer, black police officer, Chinese police officer, Ork police officer, if you watch the movie Bright, Chinese police officer, whatever. I can't think of one instance where a black kid has been pulled over and the officer just walks up to the car and shoots him. Just walks up. He doesn't say, hey, my name is Officer Hill and the reason I stopped you is because of this or why are you driving so fast or this car is stolen. I can't think of one instance where a young black male in this country has been killed by an officer just walking up to the car, pulling his gun out, and shooting him without any provocation or without any expectation that he's being met with deadly force. Now, some people are probably saying Minnesota and Philando Castile, but if you watch that dash cam, not the video that the baby mama made after he was shot, 
and all her lies and stories that changed during the video. If you watch that dash cam and you watch how Philando says, I have a gun. He doesn't say I have a license to carry a gun. I have a gun. And the officer says, don't reach. And then you watch the dash cam where you see Philando making furtive movements in the car. And the officer pulls out his gun and shoots because he just heard gun. He didn't hear, I have a carry concealed permit. And I won't shoot you, officer, because that's not what I do. He heard gun. He saw movement. He shot him. But if you can find any instance where police have just pulled over a car, walked up to it, bam, shot him, then walked away like nothing happened simply because he's black, then, Mr. Anderson and your attorney, then we can have this conversation. But we can't because it's BS. Now, for... All of those guys in the NFL that go out every Sunday and kneel because of all the police brutality against the black man in this country. Who's going to this guy, Robbie Anderson, and saying, hey, dumbass, why were you even acting like that? If you're so worried about being killed, hey, dumbass, why did you do what you did? Because you're making us look bad as a whole because we're preaching this false narrative every Sunday by kneeling, but you're going out and being a complete idiot. And you've been arrested before. And you resisted arrest then. So now you want to talk about kneeling and you want to talk about all of this injustice, but you're being a complete idiot. You're being a complete idiot. You're breaking the law. You're putting yourself in danger. You're putting the public in danger. You're putting the officer that's chasing you in danger. But yet, the police in this situation was the bad guy. Because all police treat black people wrong and they go out and kill them. But yet, you haven't manned up and just said, I screwed up. You're not taking accountability for yourself. You're just saying, I screwed up. Now, chances are, and the the media hasn't released this yet, maybe they don't know about it yet, or maybe they're just keeping it under wraps. Chances are, and I've pulled over a car or two in my lifetime, chances are that Robbie Anderson had something in that car he didn't want the police to find. So as he takes off speeding at 100 miles an hour, chances are he likely tossed whatever was in that car. Or... Maybe Robbie Anderson thought, oh crap, my charges from the other case are still pending. Maybe I got a warrant and I need to get away. Because, again, I've stopped the car too. The ones that don't stop when you turn on the blue lights and siren, they have something to hide. Two things. They're either drunk and they're just so out of it, they don't realize what's going on. They see lights, but they don't see lights, if you know what I mean. Or... They have something to hide, i.e. drugs, guns, warrants. I just killed somebody. I just shot somebody. I just raped somebody. And my vehicle fits the description. They have something to hide. That's why that officer stopped him. It wasn't because he saw a black man driving by. And he's like, ooh, I got me one. Like he's catching a fish. Like, ooh, I got me one. No, no. Because the officer was already on a traffic stop. And I've only left maybe two traffic stops 
in my entire career. And you know why? Because the person that I went after leaving my traffic stop was doing something that was either going to kill them, kill the public, or endanger a lot of people. Which is why that officer left his original traffic stop because Mr. Anderson took off at a high rate of speed. But yet he wants to say, well, it was because I was black. Well, had you not rolled your window down and slowed down and looked at the officer and then took off, I'm thinking, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I'm thinking he wouldn't have even have noticed you pass by. But, okay, let me slow down really slow. Now let me roll down my window. Now let me look at him really slow so he can see that I'm black. And now I'm going to take off. What do you think he's going to do? Stupid. But yet it's the officer's fault. And yet you say you want to go F his wife and you're going to find his wife and sexually assault her. And yet you and your cohorts want to go out on the field and kneel during the national anthem because of your injustices that you face. Well, you brought that injustice to yourself, Mr. Anderson. So to you, sir, I say you're an idiot. And if the team doesn't get rid of you like a lot of people on Twitter are demanding, then, quite frankly, the New York Jets are idiots. Because at some point, since everyone wants to sit there and say, oh, we need to fire police at the first chance, blah, blah, blah. When are we going to start firing these players that are getting paid millions of dollars to act like idiots? You can't go on any other job and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you, you, correction, you can, but you're going to be fired. You can't go on any other job and act the way these NFL players act and keep a job. If you don't believe me, there have been pe teachers fired because of stuff they've posted on Facebook. There's been politicians asked to resign because of stuff they've posted on Facebook or stuff they've said. There's been police officers asked to resign because of stuff they've posted on their personal social media. But yet, we pay the NFL players millions of dollars. They can go out and say whatever they want. They can go out and put the public in danger. But it's okay because on Sunday they're going to kneel because of the injustices against black people in this country by police. That is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my life. All right, I'm way over my time, and I appreciate you for sticking with me uh, for the last 40-plus minutes or so. It's time now for my 10-7 segment because we really got to get out of here. I don't want to take up... Any more of your Tuesday night. Uh, but tonight I honor Deputy U.S. Marshal Christopher David Hill. No relation to me, of course. Uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Christopher Hill was shot and killed in Harrisburg, PA, while attempting to serve an arrest warrant with other members of the Middle Pennsylvania Fugitive Task Force. The task force had located a woman who was wanted for making terroristic threats at a home in the 1800 block of Mulberry Street, at approximately 6.30 a.m. As they attempted to take the woman into custody, a man inside the home opened fire on them, striking Deputy Marshal Hill and two local task force officers. One of the wounded officers was able to return fire and kill the subject. Deputy Marshal Hill was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed 
to his wounds. Deputy Hill was a U.S. Army veteran and had served with the United States Marshal Service for 11 years. He is survived by his wife and two children. Godspeed to you, Deputy U.S. Marshal Christopher David Hill. While most people are just waking up at 6.30 in the morning, are just getting their first cup of coffee, are sitting in traffic on the way to work, you gave the ultimate sacrifice, doing what you were sworn to do, protecting and serving. Godspeed to you, sir. My prayers to your family, to your wife, and to your two children. Thank you for your service. I thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening tonight to Beyond the Badge right here, RadioInfluence.com, and I will see you next week. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Minnesota against Jacksonville is the unsexiest Super Bowl ever. Like, I can't think of a matchup that would be less sexy than Minnesota against Jacksonville because I don't know anybody that hates Minnesota because there's no reason to hate Minnesota. And I don't know anybody that hates Jacksonville other than if when you're visiting there because it stinks. But other than that, nobody hates the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't have, you know, enough history. They haven't done enough for anybody to hate them. The two most hated teams in the NFL are Philadelphia and New England. They both have fantastic fan bases that will travel. If you're an Eagle fan, you can't be anybody else's fan. That's just the way it goes. And if you're a Patriots fan, you can't have a second team. Like, I've heard people say, I'm a Buccaneer and a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I'm like, whatever. If you're an Eagles fan, you can't have another team. They'll stab you in Philadelphia. They won't mess around with that. Those teams, if you're not an Eagle fan, you're not allowed to like them. That's the rule. You're not allowed to. They're not likable if you're not an Eagle fan. They're not, they're tr- not trying to be likable. They don't want you to like them. That's a fact. And if you're not a Patriots fan, you're not allowed to like them either because they're too good. And their fans can be a little obnoxious sometimes, too. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.